welcome to the Three Inning Save Podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. Eric Stevens here. What a strange team we get to talk about. We're, you mean the Dodgers team that has five All-Stars and are, are on a trajectory to, to be one of the best teams ever? I mean, that, that's clearly what you're – Yeah, yeah. Get, right? They certainly – you know, uh, you could argue J.D., but the other – we'll talk about it. But the other All-Star is very deserving. Um, and it seems like every other non-Elvin Phillips, non-All-Star is great or bad or great or bad. So we'll, we'll break that all down. We're going to talk about the All-Star game. Uh, some questions for Craig, all that after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. More important than the Dodgers is any three-inning save in Major League Baseball. That's right. We are not the all <laughs> We podcast. should just include all the minor leagues and just, like, do three. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you met, like, I, look, it, it takes a long time to research. No, it doesn't take that long to research Major League stuff. But, like, if I don't see it in the moment, I, luckily, like, people on Twitter – Will, like message me like hey three inning saves coming up or a possibility and i enjoy that but like it, it'd be very hard to keep track of minor league three inning saves but um yeah so there was a three inning save in the last week uh rowan z uh, Contreras of the pirates he entered an 8-4 game on june 27th against the padres he pitched three scoreless innings to close out that win so he is the 23rd save of at least three innings this year. Uh, and I think we mentioned on the last podcast there were only 28 all last year. So it's a banner year to be a, a associated with anything three innings save related. Just like all you listeners, we thank you for your support. Um, I was going to ask this as my trivia question for you because the All-Star game's coming up um, regarding three inning saves, but it was too obscure. Um, but so since saves became an official stat in 1969, there have not been any three inning saves in the All-Star game which, in my humble opinion, lessens the game <laughs> as a whole. No, no, it isn't. But, um, but if you go retroactively, as Baseball Reference does, like throughout history, um, in previous All-Star games, there were 11 uh, three-inning saves in the Midsummer Classic. Um, Lefty Grove uh, pitched the final three innings in the American League's 4-2 win in the first All-Star game in 1933 at Comiskey Park. Um, Johnny Antonelli of the New York Giants had a four-inning save in the 1954 game. That's the longest save in All-Star history, even though it technically wasn't a save at the time. Mel Harder, he just tries harder uh, uh, for Cleveland, and he's the only pitcher with two three-inning saves in the All-Star game. <laughs> just love how... 1935 and 1937. How different the All-Star game is viewed. Like, it's very much a, like, every team gets a player. We got to get almost every player in the game if we can. Uh, and now it's like, <laughs> you can pitch for it, and it's fine. <laughs> well, also, and, like, back way back when, it, it was basically, like, if you're an All-Star starter, you you basically – it's like a game. You just yeah. played the game, right? <laughs> and, like, pitchers went deeper. Maybe they didn't go, like, complete game, but, it like, you know, they were even, – even when I grew up in the 80s, um, uh, pitchers were going three, like, in the in – the starting pitchers were going three. So it was, like, that was something at least. But, like, yeah, now it's weird. But you mentioned um, uh, every team having to have an all-star. So that sort of always factors into – uh, the roster building and all-star rosters were released on Sunday when, on uh, July 2nd when we're recording this. Um, starters were announced earlier in the week. That's fan voting. Um, the Dodgers have three uh, starters, uh, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and J.D. Martinez. Um, I was – I'm checking because – oh, okay. I could I didn't I didn't put this as your actual trivia question, so I'll just mention it. It's their most um, uh, position players starting in the All-Star game uh, since 1980. Uh, last year, they had two uh, starters. This year, they have three. In 1980, they had four um, at Dodger Stadium, by the way. That was pretty cool. Um, on Sunday, the rest of the roster were was announced. Clayton Kershaw and Will Smith made it. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, it's his 10th 
all-star selection that ties Pee Wee Reese for most in Dodgers history. Um, Will Smith, it's his first. Um, now, it's in this weird, I think this is one of those things where maybe it's a, I don't know, it's not only online because they mention it on broadcast too, but like it, we've almost been talking about how it's crazy that Will Smith isn't an all-star for like an insanely long time, even though it, it, it seems I've always, maybe I have a defense mechanism. I think it's sometimes um, probably overblown <laughs> mostly because so he, he pretty much has been really good right from the start of his career. However, he started in like mid 2019. So right. All-star wasn't possible then 2020. He's already like, he's, he's, the guy he's batting cleanup in the world series for like the best team in the majors. There were also, there was also no all-star game because of the <laughs> pandemic that year. So like right off the bat. So like we're, he's, this is his fifth season, but it, it wasn't like he was over four in all-star snubs, right? Like he, he did miss twice in 2021, 2022. But if you look back, like there were a lot of factors that like, it wasn't obvious that he, would have been an all-star. They don't always carry three catchers. You had um, in 2021, both Buster Posey and Yadier Molino existed uh, as, <laughs> as major league players. <laughs> they still exist, uh, just to, not, not breaking news here. But um, that's a hard nut to crack from a popularity standpoint. Sure. Um, and then even after Buster Posey retired, like Smith was sort of still down the line. But it, it wasn't just fans; it was players. Players didn't vote him in the top two of catchers in those years. So, like, that was part of it. This year, it was so obvious um, that it was Sean Murphy and Will Smith are like very clearly the best two best catchers, and f- both fans and players voted as such. Murphy got the most fan voting, so he's starting. Murphy also got the most player votes, but Smith was second, so he's on the team. Uh, Kershaw was also a player selection um players vote just like the fans they vote for nine position players um they also pick five starting pitchers and three relievers and then the league office sort of uh does the final six spots for each team at four pitchers two position players um those six picks are often used to um satisfy the rule that every team has to have an all-star and that was pretty much the case this year in the national league five of the six picks were this is this team's only all-star um so uh devin williams of the brewers was the an mlb pick he's the only brewers all-star um he's the fourth reliever on the squad the players chose alexis diaz josh Hader, and a third player who i am forgetting at the moment <laughs> i will I, i'll have it up shortly um oh camila duvall of the giants and camila duvall is the giants only pick although that was picked by the players so those four relievers um so as it stands like the only like sort of wild card pick that the league office used was Cubs starter um justin Steele, who's had really good numbers he, the Cubs already had Marcus Stroman on the team because the players picked him. Um, but like that's deserving. So like if you're the reason I bring that up is because like Evan Phillips, um, having a really good year, sub two ERA, one of the best relievers in baseball. But like all of those other four relievers are also, are also having really good years. Like so, it's it's hard to stand out, and it's like it pretty much in the All Star game, every role is relief. So. Like if there's a like a deserving starter, that person is probably getting picked over a reliever. However, there's also like um, ton there's tons of replacements. Like last year in total, there were 18 replacement players uh, picked after the rosters were selected. So like there's going to be more this year. One of them uh, is probably going to be a Dodger because uh, uh, Clayton Kershaw is. It's been a it's like it's it's a weird team. It's a it's been a weird week. So Kershaw was great at Coors Field on Tuesday. Um, the Dodgers were on the road. Uh, they played three in Colorado, three in Kansas City. Two of the three uh, worst 
records in in the majors. Only the A's are worse than those two teams, and the Dodgers split that series. We'll, we'll get to more about how that happened in the first, in the first place. But first game of the road trip Tuesday in Denver, Kershaw was very good. Faced the minimum in six innings, only allowed a hit and a walk. He got a double play and picked off a guy, so he, he like faced the minimum. Um, he also left after 79 pitches. They showed on the broadcast he like he basically coming back to the dugout. I think after the six, he's like, "Yeah, I'm done." And um, then it was it took like two days for to get the reason why. So there's like this very weird like secrecy around it. Like I get it. Like you know, Kershaw is like intensely guarded on like revealing stuff like that. And but it it just made because you know Dave Roberts talks to the media pre and post game no matter what, so that basically made like this weird, almost like I would say thirty six hour news cycle, where Roberts had to answer for stuff they weren't willing to give out yet, <laughs> you know like hey is it his back or whatever and then like I think the next day, Roberts like, yeah you know we're, we'll let uh, Kershaw talk about it but he didn't talk till Thursday and just, again the start was on Tuesday. But like I, one of the one of the I think it was I can't remember if it was Wednesday or if it was like Thursday pregame, but Robert Dave Roberts is like, well I can tell you one thing it's definitely not his back you know like whatever <laughs> that was one of, and because Kershaw has been on the IL like five or six times with back stuff, and uh, and then I think one of the questions I didn't have the actual audio but I think one of the questions was like, um, is it is it something for and. Uh, Robert's like, you could say that. It's like, okay. <laughs> so it turns out it was shoulder inflammation. So he got a cortisone shot. Now, I, I'm not totally sure. He either got it Wednesday or Thursday. So usually when that happens, you, you're, you like, basically shut down from throwing for, like, two or three days. Kershaw did have a pregame throwing session on Saturday uh, before you uh, and other fans got to the game uh, in Kansas City. And the reports on both, like, Saturday and Sunday were that, like, it was just okay. <laughs> like, it's just, like, so th- this is a short, long way of saying, like, so Kershaw's lined up to pitch Monday, the day, presumably the day this podcast comes out. Um, it doesn't sound like he's going to pitch. <laughs> so, but they, the fact that it's not, like, sort of set right now is very weird. Uh, I essentially the issue is 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 probably this. Given what, like I the pregame and postgame stuff from Dave Roberts, so it's going to either on Monday either be Kershaw is still active, and he starts against the Pirates when the Dodgers are back home, which would be on five days rest. But Michael Grove is also going to hang around. He's he was optioned the other day uh, after his Wednesday start in. Um, Colorado, so he'd be on four days rest. He cannot come back unless uh, replace replacing someone who goes on the injured list, or you know, it could be related, could be bereavement leave, paternity leave, whatever. But like he can't, he has to be optioned for 15 days unless replacing someone else. So the only mechanism really for Grove to come up is Kershaw to go on the injured list, and the Dodgers don't have any other rested starters. At least, okay. Here's the other weird thing about all this that now I I will say. Post game Sunday in Kansas City, Dave Roberts explicitly said it's either going to be Grove or Kershaw. Um, however, the other weird thing is now Gavin Stone, who has not really been very good since going back down to AAA, um, but he's just been like kind of working through it or whatever. He is sort of like he's at least nominally an option because he's on the forty man can can freely be called up. Like let's say they wanted to. Um, delay a Kershaw or injured listing there. Oh, let, we'll keep him active, but let's push him back for a few days. They still need someone to pitch Monday, and it can't be Grove unless he's replacing an IL guy. So Stone is could be an option, but he I, just looking at the the game notes from Oklahoma City, which I get every day, that show like you know it, it's like a normal game notes has like the full roster. Like here's the probable pitchers for this coming week. So. Everyone was off last Tuesday because they're playing through the July 4th holiday weekend. So they, their first game last week was Wednesday. So Wednesday's game notes said Gavin Stone is starting Thursday. 
Thursday's game notes said Gavin Stone is starting Friday. Um, Friday's game notes, uh, I think Friday's game notes still said Gavin Stone was starting Friday. He did not start Friday. They went with like a pseudo bullpen game. Saturday's game notes said Gavin Stone is starting Sunday. Uh, Sunday's game notes, uh, Sunday's game is going on as we're recording this, and Matt Andrees is pitching for Oklahoma City. So he has not pitched all week. So, like, I was sort of thinking, like, maybe he's just sort of, you know, a potential, like, if we want to do this. But it seems like the common sense move is just to put Kershaw on the injured list. Now, what you're doing is, so Kershaw's going to, if it's if it's a normal schedule, he's going to go Monday. And then again on Saturday, uh, when, they, when the Dodgers are home, Saturday's the last game before the break. Um, so... You're basically saying if you put him on the IL, he'd miss those two starts, but he also they have five days off during the All Star break. He'd be eligible to come back the very first weekend after uh, the All Star break when the Dodgers are in New York. So it's like it's a it's more of a reset than anything. And like the oh the other thing, so Kershaw has not thrown a bullpen session between um, or since his last start. His he. Robert said, I think on Sunday that he didn't spin the ball. So he wasn't throwing like actual pitches. It was more like he just played catch. He hasn't thrown off a mound, <laughs> but like all signs point to that. He's not going to start. And it's just weird that they haven't said it, you know, <laughs> like, uh, so I, who knows what's going to happen. It's just like, it's a very, it's a very odd situation, but I would, if I'm a betting man, I, I think Grove's going to end up starting Monday. And then they, I think the problem is they have to convince Kershaw <laughs> to go on the IL because he's like, look, I want in, you know, but they're maybe they're convincing him like, hey, this could just be a quick little reset. Obviously, you missed the two starts, but you you're basically back pretty much right away. Not like you're missing three starts or whatever. Like, um, and that's a hard sell. The other thing is like, everyone, it's it's a it's a it's been a broken like pitching staff pretty much for the most of the year, right? And like you can see why Kershaw's like, no, I can stay here and fix this, right? Or, or and I don't want to be another. He's the only starter who has not been on the injuries, like <laughs> of the top like seven. In like they started the season like their depth chart, you know, top seven. He's the only one who hasn't been on the injury list. So like, I think that's probably the the biggest thing is like sort of convincing him to do it. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's just it's very weird. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Did, uh, it, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just a, it's a very it's a very weird situation. But there, there has to be again, you know, the all the with all the all stars, good. There's good stuff going on too, right? Even in this, in midst this weird little little week yeah. we've had. So you know, one of one of the starters, Mookie Betts. Uh, had an incredible week. Like uh, his OPS for the week was 1797 on the road trip, and that started with an 0 for five in the first game in Denver. Uh, he had this this awesome skit stretching from uh, he he reached base 16 out of 20 times. Uh, he had at one point uh, I think. I don't remember if it was Opta stats or someone tweeted this, but one of the stretches where, so he had, he had 15, um, uh, this 15 plate appearance stretch where the only two outs were sacrifice flies that brought home runs. <laughs> and, and it was so just, it, he, during that stretch, he, he reached base uh, eight straight plate appearances, which was six shy of Pedro Guerrero's record, which I love bringing up July, 1985. Um, and he also during that stretch, so with the sacrifice flies mixed in, he had a stretch of hits in seven straight at bats as well. The record there's 10. Andre Ethier did it. Um, but it was just an incredible week for him. Uh, I think he, I, he raised his OPS something like, um, like 70 points in like four days or something. And we're like mid season now. So it's not like, you know, it's very hard to do that. He was just really good. Now we mentioned, so the Dodgers, they split um, six games. They lost the last two in Kansas city. 
Um, the Royals are terrible. Like the Rockies are, the Royals are like a, a level below that. They're 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 Asian in how they're they're, they're playing. Right? They're like the they're like the the A's without like the the fanfare uh, and like contemptible owner in the news, basically. Um, but the the Royals, so the Royals have won four series all year. Um, they're on pace for 114 losses. They only lost once to the Dodgers. Um, but three of those four Royal series wins, tell less. <laughs> they beat the Giants and Padres two out of three on the road. And then they beat the Dodgers two out of three at home. So, you know, we talked, I talked about it's a broken sort of pitching staff. It's, it's like slowly, but surely like sort of getting better. The bullpen, at least the, you know, the top like half has been getting better, I think, or just generally okay. Um, recently, um, they got Daniel Hudson back first time in over a year on the mound. Uh, he pitched in Saturday's game. Um, he's been, uh, he had torn ACL last year and then had, had a long rehab this year. Um, and he's back. So like in theory, like that gives them another late inning option. That's, that's going to be, now they got Julio Urias back on uh, on Saturday as well. Uh, the game you were at, and uh, I, I joked to you because you you had to leave because you have small children. And, and there was um, a rain delay of an hour and a half. And oh, that's right. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. On the road trip, the Dodgers had two rain delays. Uh, the last game in Colorado, the the start was delayed by an hour and fifty minutes, and then the Saturday game was hour and twenty five. Um, so. You, you you said you left when like the, in the fourth inning or something. Uh, bottom of the fourth, yeah. And it, by that time, the game would it was so you know, you three last, hours you after. Oh, okay. I see where you're going. Yeah, I mean, you you put in a full day at the ballpark for sure. <laughs> but you you lasted longer than Julio Urias did. Mm-hmm. He, in fairness, it, it was an absolute nightmare of a first inning, like. It seemed like a possible thing that could have gone wrong went wrong. Like he didn't, he wasn't giving up bombs, right? Like there the first, was yeah. Uh, the first hit was a double, right? And it, you know, nice. Oh, a good double. Like, yeah. A, it was like, okay. And then it double. was just like the, you know the what? Then the next three were like, like the most perfectly placed bloops ever. <laughs> One of them I thought for sure landed in the dirt, although on the replay it didn't. But it it was basically hit to where a normal second baseman would stand. Except that Miguel Vargas was shaded a bit up the middle, and he was running towards second base to cover a stolen base attempt, and the and then like this little tiny looper by Salvador <laughs> Perez, just right where anyone would catch it, like e- the easiest thing in the world. But instead, nope, that's a hit. And then like Urias wasn't. It's not like he was also good, right? He just wasn't missing bats. Like uh, I think uh, Nick Prato, uh, Prado, or whatever. Uh, Fouled eight pitches off against him, and he had a 12-pitch walk. Uh, Rias hit a guy. It was a five-run inning, and it, it seemed to take, like, 17 hours. It was, like, this – it was wild. Plus, but you had the rain, right? So you have the crazy humidity. Uh, Rias basically looked like uh, vintage Chad Billingsley in terms of, like, jersey sweat that was visible. <laughs> it, it was It was just an insanely, like – it was like the worst possible way to return. He's going to go. Uh, I think they were planning for like five inning pitches. He threw like uh, 35 pitches in the first so that they basically, uh, he, he recovered. He pitched scoreless in the second and third, but his night was done after three innings. So in theory, he's going, I mean, he's going to be better. Like if he's not, that's a, that's a problem for sure. But like he's going to stabilize the staff somewhat. But like he just hasn't yet. But then, you know, Kershaw with the bulky shoulder, like clear ace at this point. Urias is going to be up in that level uh, once he gets normal, but he's not there yet. Tony Gonsolin, clear number three, has been a mess for like a month. <laughs> you know, uh, his his issues were over the last month. There's been like they they didn't start him on. The one of the road trips uh, in Philadelphia on what would have been four days rest because he's been having trouble recovering between starts. And then, so like four of his last five starts, schedule related because the Dodgers had a lot of off days in June. 
but four of his last five starts are on six, exactly six days rest. It's like that's a long rest, like a 639 ERA during that stretch. He's just been ineffective, um, just pretty bad. Like, and so you just don't really know what you're going to get. And then, like, oh, by the way, the other two are rookies. Uh, Bobby Miller, who's been overall very, very good, also had a couple like blow up starts in there. Emmett Sheehan has been good in his three starts, but it's like, again, this this is the rotation right now. Like they need the, the trade deadline's coming. I think it's very clear they need to trade for starting pitching. We, we'll we'll talk about that at another time. But like, that's sort of where they're at. Like the the um, Gonsolin, he, he had a bad start on Sunday, um, like his third straight bad start, I would say, and uh, that's those are the two like the main reasons why they lost. The last two games in Kansas City, so that that's like disconcerting, um, you know. Given where they're at, I think they, if any, they just need to get through this next week and like sort of either give everyone a reset, at basically because they have five days off, uh, or um, they, but they just have to get through the week, like you know, like they just want to get to the All Star break at this point and then figure out what's what. Uh, the other uh, Jimmy Nelson has, was also has also been on rehab. Now he. Hasn't pitched in the major since 2021. Um, he's just been injury plagued forever, and he's coming. His he had um, the Walker Bueller double in 2021 of Tommy John and Flexer Tenon repair. He's looked pretty good uh, in AAA. He's he's uh, he has about a week left on his rehab assignment, and uh, like rehab assignments for pitchers can last up to 30 days. Now there's always workarounds like. Oh, I'm I'm experiencing new you know new soreness or whatever. Then they can reset it or whatever. But for the most part, like he he looks at least close. So I think within a week, I believe the date is, I think it's July 10th. That's that's the Monday of home run derby. Uh, at that point, the Dodgers have to act either if he's healthy, either activate him off the 60 day injured list or like designate him for assignment. But it's like given where like they're at i think the and the, the, they brought him back like if he shows if he's showing anything like in the next week like would imagine he's going to be in the bullpen right after the all-star break and maybe he can add something he would he was really good in 2021 like arguably their best reliever but he also you know has been very injury prone so you don't know exactly what you're going to get but uh, like it's just another option so like i think they're going to take like all the help they can get at this point it's sort of uh that's just sort of where they're at right now well, speaking of inconsistent, it's time for me to answer a trivia question. <laughs> you've been you've been consistently good, I would say, recently, <laughs> um, especially. Three Dodgers are in the National League starting lineup in this year's All-Star Game. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and J.D. Martinez. Plus, they have one more reserve in Will Smith. That gives them a lot of opportunities to get some hits in Seattle. Uh, my question to you is this, uh, 13 times the Dodgers have had at least two different players get a hit in the same all-star game. Who were the last pair to do so? I, uh, I have no confidence in myself, but we're going to give it a shot after this. Who are the last pair of Dodgers to get a hit in the same all-star game? Yeah. So you're asking. That's right. Is Max Muncy one of them? Mm-hmm. Is that a yes? No, no, oh. no. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it, my my daughter does this thing where her yeses and her noes are both um mm-hmm, and you don't know if she's saying uh-uh or mm-hmm so went through that too huh. uh what what year uh max muncie does max muncie does not have a hit okay. in an ulster i have a bad weird uh, memory of that that i apparently made up yeah uh what, what was your what was your, what was your question there what year was the All-Star game? I need a hint. I, I don't want to give you the year. Um, oh, no. I will tell you... I will tell you it is pretty recently. <laughs> Great. Uh, da, 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 I'm trying to like think of people who actually would have gotten in there. Uh, is, it, is Mookie Betts one of them? Yes. Yeah. Is Freddie Freeman another? No. Okay. The, the, the going through Trey Turner? Yep. 
there last we go. year at Dodger Stadium okay. in the first inning. Uh, <laughs> I, did, I did not remember. Yeah. I, I had no. I apparently I just put Max's face on Trey Turner, which is a really scary thing to think about uh, when I'm thinking of this hit. So I knew I knew it was recent, but they both they both singled off of uh, Shane McClanahan. So all right. Well, I'm. I'll take that. I'll take that as a win. Before we get into the next part, I was gonna. The question I was going to ask you, but then I was like, "Oh man, I keep forgetting that that this was the answer." But it was gonna be who was the last Dodger to get two hits in an All Star game? <laughs> um, do you, Do you know that? Wild guess, and then we'll move on. Russell Martin. No, although he 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 uh, he had a hit in okay. twenty in two thousand eight. Uh, Mike Piazza in see I was thinking of all star uh, catchers and just you know pick <laughs> yeah he, he doubled and homered got the MVP in Philadelphia I believe um, so yeah but it's been it's been a long time before before that 1978 Steve Garvey so <laughs> getting there's a possibility for some hits to happen in this all star game but you never know all right well you know what it's time for with Jens and Craig. We love them. Questions from Craig. I have questions uh, for both of us, but the first four trivia questions for you. Are you ready, Eric? Yay. I have uh, my cheat sheet ready to go. Let's look back at another Dodger team with a decade ending in three. The 2003 Dodgers. Could have done the 1893. That would be fun. As you might recall, that team was last in MLB with a 79 OPS plus. Get ready for trivia about a team that should be memorable to both Eric and Jacob. You ready? Sure. The 2003 Dodgers had five players with double-digit home runs. Can Eric name these sluggers? Bonus if you can name the team leader and the amount of home runs he hit. Okay, so 03, uh, they signed Fred McGriff, who was 22 home runs shy of 500, which he was surely going to get with the Dodgers, and he did not. He was he was also healthy for several years before that. He was he was like 38 or 39, but then he just sort of succumbed to injuries as well. But I I'm, I know I can't say yeah he definitely I, I want to say 18, um, but he's one of them. Um, I think the team 13 home runs for Sean Fred McGriff, by the way. Yeah. I think the team leader was Sean Green. Uh, Sean Green was second with 19. 19. Okay. Um, so yeah, this was a, a very, very bad team offensively. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to think. So at this point, Sheffield's gone. Um, oh God, uh, man! I oh, so so McGriff's at first. So Sean Green's still in the outfield, still with a reasonably working shoulder. Although I think it was going out on him. Um, am I stalling? Perhaps. Uh, okay. What about um, uh, Robin Ventura? Nope. Oh, uh, you know what? Okay, it's it's O three. So uh, Beltre is the team leader. Yep. Any guess on uh, how many he hit? Uh, let's say twenty three. Uh, you got it on the money. Well done. Wait. Okay. So here. Well, did he so drive yeah, in exactly eighty runs. That's it. Uh, I don't have that in front of me. I can okay, look, though. Fine. I'm going to look. I'll look no, for you. you. All right. You have two more players the name with double-digit home runs. Okay, so at this point... Um, he had now, 50 with, runs well, and 80 RBIs, by the way. Nice. 50 runs. Wow. Um, so I know Paul Aduka hit 25 home runs in, like, 01, his breakout year. I want to say like got to somewhere right around ten. Little less seven. There was a catcher who hit ten. On on, oh no wait. Oh, 
uh, rookie David Ross. Yep. Nice. Okay. So you're missing one name. Um. So Beltre's at third. Um. Man. So at this point, this is Dave Roberts' second year with the Dodgers, playing a good amount now. Did they still have Marquise Grissom in 2003? Um, I'm checking for you. It's not the name we're looking for. Okay. Um, I, I, I guess no way since that. Came up. I'm going to let you know. Now, oh, go ahead. I have a hint for you if and when you need it. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it has to be the left fielder, and I am having a very hard time remembering who played left field for the 20. 20- 2003 I will let you know it was a mid-season trade acquisition. You are correct. It's the left fielder. This is one of the first trades I remember, like, hearing about and paying attention to. And, like, understanding In what a trade was. Okay. Because, like, I knew Piazza Wait, okay. got traded, but I had no idea what was going on. So, Wait a minute. So... <laughs> Was it Jeremy Burnett's? Jeremy Burnett's hit 13 as a Dodger. Wow. Uh, had 31 oh on the Look, year. I would not have guessed that. <laughs> huh. There you go. Four players hit 30 or more sure. doubles for the 2003 Dodgers. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Who were these two bagger leaders? Uh, okay, so uh, we'll go to Sean. Yep, 49. 49. Um, thirty doubles, you say? Uh, correct. Um, thirty or more. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, let's. Is, did what? Let's go with Beltre again. Thirty on the dot. Big on the round numbers. <laughs> <laughs> They're missing two. two. More. Good lord. Um. If you get one of these names, okay. I'm just gonna, uh, <laughs> I owe you a beer. Right. Okay, so O three. Now, this person had no power to speak of, but he was fast enough. I'm I don't have any confidence in this, but I'm gonna say Cesar's tourist. Had twenty one, so not not the thirty oh, you're looking okay. for. Okay. Um and so McGriff's taking the time at first. Uh, there's hmm. um. Well then, so I guess I'm I'm really. Did Alex Cora hit thirty doubles? He hit twenty four. Okay, but the only other weird say is Dave Roberts, only because I think he played a lot. But I there's no way. Nope. Uh, so I'm going to let you know the positions of the two players. How about that? And then you get a guess at okay. each. Okay. All right. Uh, one should be easy. Catcher. Okay. So Laduca. And then utility. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Wait. Um, uh, Holbert Cabrera. There you go. That was the name that I was like, if you, you're like, you know who. <laughs> yeah. I, I should have remembered, honestly, he's, he was actually really, he was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking like, up. Uh, decently good. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, 104 OPS plus. I don't know for that team. Pitching Which was this team's like strong hitters on that team. Yeah. <laughs> Pitching was this team's strong point. So can Eric name the five pitchers with a minimum of 50 innings pitched with a 169 or higher ERA plus? Oh, so man. I believe this was. I don't remember if it was his best season, but I'm pretty sure this was a full good version from Kevin Brown. So I'm going to start with him. Kevin Brown had a 169 on the dot. Um, and then, so the bullpen that year was ridiculous. Now, this is this is 55 for 55 in saves. Eric Gagne, so he, he's definitely one. Correct, with a, uh, three, I believe he had three, a, one, three a 137 ERA. ERA plus. Yeah. Now, but they also, I, I want to say Guillermo Moto threw like 104 innings or something like that. It's and he also was crazy. So I'm going to say, so 
I'm going to say him as well. With a 205 ERA plus. And then their other partner in crime workhorse, and I want to say he pitched him like 80 games or something, uh, Paul Quantrill. 89 games, 232 ERA plus. 89. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, baseball is awesome. Um, so, wait, so I'm missing one other person? You are. Okay. Um, okay, so can you tell me what, what Kevin Brown's ERA was? Not his ERA plus. Uh, uh, have uh, I have his FIP. <laughs> Come on, Eric. This is a new era. I'll, I'll let you. I'm looking yeah. it up for you. His ERA was 239. Oh, boy. Okay. So, so I, I'm, I'm trying to think. You know what? Okay, I, I have one other guess that I was sort of a last-ditch thing, but I, I'm going to go with, um, but I think Wilson Alvarez. Uh, Wilson Alvarez is correct with a 171 ERA+. Plus. Nice. All right. I remember, like, it was like, oh, my God, this guy's great. Like, you know, <laughs> he was obviously hurt for so many years, but, like, yeah, sorry. Eric Gagne recorded 55 saves that season. Three other Dodgers pitchers had one save. Can Eric name those three pitchers in four guesses? Wait, before I answer, does he mean exactly one save? Correct. Or awesome if they, they all, they just all had, had exactly one, one on the dot. Okay, so uh, it's got it. Well, it doesn't have to be, but my my for sure guesses are Guillermo Moda and Paul Quantrill. Correct and correct. Um, sort of the back end guys there. Now I'm gonna go. Mm, I'm going to go off the board on this one. This was going to be my other potential um, high ERA plus guy. Uh, Lefty. um, Oh, crap. Wait, who was the guy? Uh, Paul Shuey. Paul Shuey did not have a save. Was six on ERA plus, by the way, just after Kevin Brown. Mm. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, I'm. Okay, so it's. Us that year. Um, I am having trouble. Although you, um, I thought you were going to Paul Paul Shuey threw right. You so you did not name the lefty. I'll let you know it's not the 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 lefty is not the person with the save. But oh oh. Although this person oh, is so a lefty, the, le- I apologize, the lefty I was so. thinking of, I think it was Tom. Tom yes, yeah, that's what oh, I was trying wait, to get. Tom at. Martin. Tom Martin uh, did, yeah. did not have the save. It's who I knew you I were thinking, thinking of. of. Yeah. Uh, but I will let you know yeah. there's a big hint that the remaining person did through left-handed. Last guess. Uh, the only other name I can think of, and only because I, I briefly forgot which hand he threw with, but I'm going to go back to Wilson Alvarez. Bingo. <laughs> okay. Uh, I know he had a swing roll. That just... was fun. That was, I, it, yeah, definitely the, uh, as frequently mentioned, the first year that I was really paying attention to baseball and not just sort of casually observing a game now and then um all right good job you did good uh, I, I did screw up our ordering so i'm gonna have to yeah, here yeah. we go going into sunday's games Luis Arias is hitting 388 and 330 plate appearances since 1942 he's tied for 10th and first half batting average with a minimum of 200 plate appearances there have only been four players since 1941 when ted williams hit 407 to hit 388 or better in a qualified season Williams, Tony Gwynn in a strike short in 1994, George Brett, and Rod Carew. I remember the media attention to both Brett and Carew when batting average was the key stat. If Arias can threaten 400 in, let's say, August, will it become a nightly story? And finally, yes or no, will Arias finish with a 350 or better than batting average? Um, n- not to nitpick, but I'm going to nitpick. And uh, just to point out that Ted Williams at 406 in 1941. But um, <laughs> yes, uh, I it's i mean it's cool enough that he was he was hitting 400 like in very very late june um but yeah if it's in august and he's still hitting 400 like i think it it's it's not quite um breaking into his at bats you know like right. like aaron judge last year in late september or whatever it may be later in the year it is like like the last week of the season but like um yeah that's that'll be for sure a cool story um 
speaking before I get to the, the last part of that question, I, there was a thing, I think it was MLB network. I just saw the tweet. It was like a video discussion or one of their like daily shows, day shows or whatever. But it, the prompt was if Luis Arias hits 400 this season, is he a hall of famer? And I was like, <laughs> we, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> what, what is happening? Like, like, Let's just slow the roll for a second. Um, but to answer the question, uh, he, he's not going to—he's not going to hit three fifty. He's going to be below three fifty at the end of the year. No, he's going to hit three fifty. Three fifty-one. I. So I. I oh, all right, he's—he's going to end at three thirty-eight. That—that uh, that makes this by definition, even though <laughs> Craig didn't explicitly say it's a contest thing. All right, so three fifty-one to three thirty-eight. All right. Rank these four teams one to four as most likely to make the playoffs to get ready to sell now. New York Mets, St. Louis Cardinals, San Diego Padres, Seattle Mariners. Oh, God. Um, the Cardinals are all, not making the playoffs. Like, that is like. They're four. Cardin- yeah. The Cardinals are pretty clearly four. I would say the. Mm, I think. Think so. The as we're recording this, the Mets and the Giants are playing on Sunday Night Baseball, and the the ESPN graphic has a thing where when they're when they're not showing like who's pitching and hitting in the little tiny thing below the team, they show the record, and it currently says New York Mets thirty seven and forty six, nineteen games back in East. <laughs> so like the brave the part of that is the Braves have been like insanely good, but like that's funny. Like that's they are. They're a mess, right? That's like, I think one of the Padres and Mets will make a run. So I think we're, I think for sure, like Cardinals are four. I think, oh man, I think the Mets are three. And I, I would say then it's, Probably Padres then Mariners. I know I'm the only, I'm I'm only trying to think like so the the Mariners problem is they're stuck with like a very good Rangers team and an Astros team that hasn't been great but like their talent is is good enough to where they're probably going to be there. So that's a, that's tough competition. So it's a toss up, man. Like you, you could we could see of the teams make the playoffs, but I. Maybe the Padres right the ship, but I, I am not like super confident in any of these teams like turning it around. Right. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, I think I'll I'd put them from most likely to make it. I'll go with the Padres. You know, one maybe they make one another swing and and turns things around. Um, Mariners, Mets, Cardinals. Did your family nice. buy fa- fa- <laughs> Wow! Did your family buy fireworks when you were growing up? We did had the sparklers, and I think they were the ones called whistling pizza or something like that. Of course, we also blew up toy models and firecrackers and stuff like that. Now I hear them go off. It seems like for months and on the Fourth of July, you can see shows across the LA skyline. So, do you like them too, or are you anxious for this tradition to end as soon as possible? Kind of over fireworks. Um, I I will say they are pretty cool like just generally like you know when you go see a show or something but as a general thing like the the amateur hour of fireworks is like <laughs> maybe the more annoying like but at a like a, a show I, I know the dodgers like this year for instance they're they instead of doing like friday night fireworks it's like half and half with like a drone show because they have the new light stuff I've never been a huge fan. I like them, like you. I like them, and, you know, I would, you know, go uh, into sort of more your neck of the woods or up uh, past Ventura to the places where they would actually sell them. Uh, And uh, But even then, even as a kid, I remember, like, during a fireworks show, I was playing Pokemon on a Game Boy, and my parents admonished me, saying that you'll regret doing this. And I don't. I I like Pokemon's great, and fireworks are fine. Plenty of opportunities to see this. <laughs> All right. There's nothing like ice cream as a summer treat. My question is about the classic Neapolitan packaging of chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. Was that a flavor you enjoyed? And also, 
what about when it was the flavors of an ice cream sandwich? Finally, did you ever have rainbow sherbet? I'll uh, I'll start by saying rainbow sherbet was my go-to at both. I'm trying to remember, it was what Rite Aid, Thrifty at Thrifty, uh, yep, pharmacy and uh, Carvel, both what I frequently got. In terms of Neapolitan, I, I, the Simpsons bit when he just goes through a bunch and it's just chocolate missing. Uh, comes to mind that that typically how it was as a kid, but I I like all three of those flavors. I think equally now. So there is actually a uh, I didn't buy it, but I certainly don't hate it. The package of Neapolitan ice cream in my freezer right now. Oh wow! Um, I, I did not like Neapolitan ice cream growing up is fine. Chocolate's fine. As far as rainbow sherbet um, or sherbet, see, it's always hard to say. Like, I always <laughs> want to add an R. Um, I ate that a lot, um, but also orange sherbet uh, as well. And I remember um, this. Oh God, this is when I was really young because I was still. I went to my dad's one weekend, and I wanted to make a float, but they didn't. They didn't have like. Um, a full complement of the correct things for a float. So I believe um, my my float was rainbow sherbet and um, oh god, I think it was orange soda, and it was terrible. <laughs> but uh, I, I would, I, yeah, it's it's good stuff. Uh, I kind of want some right now. I I don't have any ice cream in my in my freezer right now, and I, I want to go get some because it's very hot and it's summertime. And Craig is right, summertime treats are rad. Uh, yeah, I think I have wasted some in my freezer, and I am not a huge ice. I like ice cream, but it's not rarely my go-to in terms of dessert. But I'm gonna I'm gonna break that. I'm gonna go have some right now. I think even even if it's an ice cream related treat or ice cream adjacent, <laughs> it could be a popsicle. We're we're talking anything. Any any cool. Uh, frozen-y type treat is very good. I hope you all are enjoying some while you're listening to this, uh, staying cool. You're always cool to us for listening. This is the <laughs> Three Inning Save podcast. Uh, thank you, and we will talk to you again uh, next week heading into the All-Star.